Hello, everyone. We're glad you found us, and welcome to our podcast at AntiqueAuctionForum.com. We hope you find this show entertaining and informative. This is Martin Willis, and we have a special guest today. I've known him for many years, and although he's a great antique dealer, deals in fine pieces, um, we're going to talk today um, a little bit about internet marketing. And I have Russ Goldberger on the line. How are you doing, Russ? I'm, I'm well, Marty. It's nice to be with you. You have a corporate background. Uh, why don't you talk about how you started um, with that and how you segued into the antique business? This, this may be long, but we'll try not to make it that way. I grew up on Long Island, New York, on the water, and that'll be relevant in a second, uh, dealing with one of the specialties that we, we sell. Uh, went to school at Rutgers, went into the Air Force as an officer, came out, worked for Procter & Gamble in consumer marketing for 15 years, and then went on to a company in Pittsburgh where we worked for another seven years. So I have roughly 25 years of consumer marketing experience. How did we get into this? This, the antique business is, is one of those great questions. Mark Twain wrote something about a, a road well-traveled and the fork in a road in which you have to make a decision as to which way you go. And you make these inadvertent decisions and have no idea why you did that. But my decision was one day I went to an auction and bought a pair of decoys as decoration for the apartment that I lived in in Cincinnati because I missed the water. Ah, I did uh-huh. not hunt. I, at the time, had no interest in hunting. My parents didn't hunt. Uh, but somehow these seemed to make sense, and so we bought a couple of decoys. And they became infectious. And uh, so while I was working for a living, somehow I decided, gee, having a few more of these would make some sense. And before I knew it, I had amassed uh, a, uh, a probably uh, a couple dozen uh, low-end uh, non-collectible decoys (laughs) and uh, I uh, was informed by my wife that we could not afford to continue to maintain this growing collection of ours I was taking I literally remember was taking $100 per month out of my paycheck and we couldn't afford that so she said you need to figure out some way of disposing what you don't want or generating money so that you can continue this uh, collection. I should point out at the time, Cincinnati was not in a flyway, meaning there were no (laughs) duck hunters to speak of there. Mm -hmm. There were very few uh, publications, uh, reference books, uh, that one could learn more uh, information about. There were a couple of associations, decoy clubs, that I knew nothing about, by the way, at the time. So I was flying pretty blind. But I discovered that antique dealers in the Midwest uh, and this is back now in the uh, mid-70s, about 1977, in fact, mm-hmm. uh, is when we began doing this. Antique dealers in the Midwest liked offering a couple of decoys if they were selling American country furnishings, let's say. Mm-hmm. It was just the beginning of the time where decoys were, be- were becoming popular. Dealers were recognizing this. And I became a resource in the Midwest, and I would travel every weekend to one of the antique shows within 100 miles of Cincinnati, because there are a lot of towns, or cities, 
with an automobile in Cincinnati. There was always an antique show going on and uh, became a resource and sold the ones that I had that I collected that were meaningless to me. And then I began to import them from Michigan, which is in a flyway, and wow. there are many native decoys in Michigan. How did you make the contact in Michigan initially? Uh, it, I, you know, I, I don't even recall. It must yeah. have been somebody some, that I crossed paths with who lived there and probably was trying to do the same thing I was, except he had access to decoys and I did not. Yeah. So <laughs> I began, I remember literally buying them for $18 a piece and selling them for $35 wholesale. I thought, you know, this is pretty good. Yeah. My objective was to generate $500 worth of uh, sales, not necessarily profit, but sales every weekend. Mm-hmm. I did, and that enabled me to begin building a more uh, collectible decoy collection, let's say, something that, that had some lasting value. You said there were a few publications, and I agree. How did you end up learning, uh, you know, things like Elmer Kroll and, you know, all the, all the really fine decoys that you deal in today? Well, there were a couple of books, which I've read cover to cover many times. There, uh, I think there's nothing like hands-on experience. Yes. So as I met, be they antique dealers or collectors or whatever, there's a sharing of knowledge, of course. You, as a seller, become ever more responsible for communicating the virtues and or the, the problems with something you're selling, so you become more expert at that. And I just think by process of... of uh, immersion, if you will, you become better and better. And there's no teacher better than laying out your own money uh-huh. and discovering that when you've done so, either you've bought something that is not what you thought it was, or you paid too much for it and therefore can't sell it. Uh, <laughs> experience is a great teacher. Uh, the, the problem is if you ever brought, a, if, a, if a, uh, an accountant ever looked at the mistakes yeah. you've made, I'm sure it's the cost of I'm sure to, to get seriously into the antique business probably is the equivalent cost of a college education. Yeah. It surprised me at all in today's dollars if it was $200,000. <laughs> and, and that's fine. Hey, uh, you know, that's, that's part of life and it's part of growth, and uh, we've never looked back. Yeah. Let me bring this thing to, to the sure. marketing yeah. aspect. So after becoming very well known with antique dealers throughout the, uh, well, the central Midwest, I guess I'd say, uh, my orientation was consumer marketing, and I thought, you know, there's got to be a way to reach collectors directly. This is before computers. Now we got to point mm. out that uh, this is still back in the, shall we say, in the old days. Mm. Uh, and so I began to accumulate three by five cards of people that had either contacted me or that I had sold to, or that I saw uh, running classified ads. Or, and, and again, as I said, there were a few publications out of. No great note, and there were a few books that were beginning to come out, particularly in the early 80s. And uh, I began to do matching of consumer or of customer, collector uh, interests with what I might have. And if I turned up something that I thought was a bit unusual, I went through these three by five cards, seeking out who that individual might be, and then I would take. I remember my Polaroid photos and send mm-hmm. the Polaroids out. Everything was at a much slower pace than it is today. Oh, sure. Yeah. And uh, that grew over time. And then from that very small customer base, we began to put out typewritten lists of the inventory that we had. This is all still primarily decoys, by the way. I'll get to other parts parts of antiques in a moment. Uh, We went from black and white type lists to black and white illustrated catalogs. Still pretty crude, but Mm -hmm. black and white. Eventually, we went to four color catalogs, by the way. Hmm. And then about 13 years ago, we established our first website, 
And about 10 years ago, we stopped doing all printed correspondence. Mm -hmm. uh, no more catalogs. Uh, they, they had become very expensive, and they were always yes. dated. There was no way that you could print a color catalog with the technology available at that time, and even with today's technology, and get it out before items were selling. And, and it, was, it was always out of date. Mm -hmm. Today, uh, we are 100% devoted to our website, supplemented by shows, by the way, or direct, direct customer contacts. But the marketing at, end of it, if you will, is almost entirely website-based. Mm -hmm. And we have a very extensive website with perhaps 300 items in inventory uh, at any given moment. And uh, if I obtain something new, it is up on the website the day I, I, I buy it. Fully photographed, at least four photographs. Uh, uh, priced, by the way, so anybody can mm -hmm. make a purchase decision. The website is secure today, meaning that you can put it in a credit card to feel confident you're not going to be compromised. We ship for free. Hmm. Uh, no matter what the size of the object in, within the domestic United States. That's a very good uh, sales tool right there. It, it, it has proven to be. Yes, it has. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be expensive. Yes. <laughs> yes, it has. A question that came to mind to me was, do you have any connections that you dealt with in the very beginning? Do you still have some of those early ones? Yes. Oh, oh absolutely. We have lifelong relationships. And I'm serious. We have, to the point of uh, people that we've known now for 30 years who... We've watched their children grow. They've watched our children grow, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, literally lifelong friends. Uh, it's this has been a wonderful business. I'm sure you would agree with this too. That, that uh, it, it can be totally consuming, and I, I mean that in a positive sense. Mm -hmm. uh, the people that deal and or collect are terrific, and uh, yeah, I've had many people reflect on what a bunch of nice people, and they they are. It's. Uh, I think most collectors tend to be intelligent. They tend to be mm -hmm. fairly lively. They uh, tend yeah. to be uh, up to date on. It's interesting. They collect antiques, but they tend to be up to date on what's happening in the world. Uh, it's mm -hmm. stimulating. Now, do you have any collectors that are holdouts that w will not go to the computer? Yes, of course. Uh huh. And and my advice to them is don't bother. Uh, we got along without computers before, and if you're happy with that, and you like the slower pace, and you like to consider, and you like hands-on, and so on and so forth, I'm not going to try to tell you to do something else. You should do what you're comfortable with, and they're, uh, I'm sure those, those people will be very happy with what they're doing. For those people that, that find that they don't have access to shows, you know, you live in the middle of Wyoming, and you really have interest in this, this stuff, but you can't find out much about it uh, from printed resources, and you certainly don't know where to buy it, and you're not sure when you buy it, whether uh, it's uh, uh, as represented and so on and so forth, then I think with caution you should uh, feel free to use the Internet. You can shop in the middle of the night. You, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if I mentioned earlier, we have an ironclad guarantee in everything we sell. Uh, if, if there's a problem, I will take the object back and, and, and refund full purchase price. We even have a, uh, a trade-in program within the decoy portion of our business alone. But within the decoy portion, I will take back any decoy in trade against something more expensive that I another decoy that's more expensive that I own. Mm -hmm. And that's proven to be a great resource to me to turn up merchandise that I'm familiar with. And it works well for the collector because everyone wishes to get better and better and better, move up that pyramid of higher quality. And that's right. 
and don't know quite how to dispose of the investment they've made in, in earlier decoys that are in fine condition but may not be where they want to be today. You know, I know another very successful uh, antique dealer, Peter Sawyer, that has the same policy that he will take any piece that uh, he sells to someone back in trade for another piece. And I think it's been one of the reasons for his success. It's a, it's a great idea. And like you say, um, collectors like to refine their collection. Do you also buy using the Internet yourself? I do. Uh, I, I, I'll use any source I can. I would say the, from, a, from a buying standpoint, the Internet has been best for us because, uh, in, in the sense that people find us. People go onto Google or one of the search engines and put in antique decoys or put in mason decoys, which is one of our specialties, mm -hmm. and we will come up in the top three. If not number one, we'll be in the top three. Wow. So there's a really good chance. And so then they go to our website and they say, wow, there's a lot of stuff there. And, and, and Russ seems to be pretty uh, expert in, in this area or that, that object looks like mine. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've turned up some amazing things on the internet where people have brought them to my attention. Uh, I will also, we link to uh, probably 50 other websites that have uh, material comparable to our own. Mm -hmm. And I will idea. check those websites with some frequency. And if there's something that I think is worthwhile and that I can afford to make some money on, I will buy, of course. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. I don't use eBay very often. I have bought wonderful things on eBay, and I have spent, I don't know, $15,000 on an item. So uh, that's dangerous uh, mm. uh, because there are <laughs> no guarantees on eBay. Yeah. Uh, and I've had some problems, mm -hmm. but nothing that I ever got out of. Uh, but I guess I, my, word, my advice would be be cautious. Uh, with, with anything you're buying, you know, get, get even even a website or whatever, no matter how good it looks, get familiar with the dealer. Yes. Sure the dealer stands behind what whatever he or she is selling. Uh, look for uh, any associations they're affiliated with. We're, we're members of the Antique Dealers Association of America, the Hampshire Antique Dealers Association, the Maine Antique Dealers Association, and we've been we're very well regarded. And that's another thing you can check with other people and say, do you know this guy or this gal? And, what do you think of them, and so on and so forth. Uh, the only thing that's unique about any of us is our reputation. Anybody can have the same merchandise, although I'm not mm. sure that many people carry the, the breadth of material that we carry, but nevertheless they could if they knew how to, how to get it and had the resources to pay for it. Uh, but our, the combination, the synergy of everything we do sort of makes us some, somewhat unique. Uh -huh. Now, do you when you're buying... Do you have a particular customer in mind when you're buying, or do you just buy because you think it's a great piece? I've learned from experience that the most dangerous thing you can do is to buy an object for a customer who you know is going to buy it, because <laughs> I guarantee 90% of the time they will not. <laughs> uh, I found that to be true myself. <laughs> it just doesn't work. I have, so to answer your question is no, I, I rarely will buy for a customer. I may have somebody in mind when I buy it, but, but I'm well aware that I'm probably going to have to live with it. And, uh, uh, and the reason, why, why doesn't that, that customer buy the object you bought for them sight unseen? Because you don't know their timing. At the moment you've done so, they may be uh, tapped out and not be willing to buy anything, or they may have bought an object just like it and you didn't know about it. Uh, so I just, uh, we, we have a certain standard that uh, we, we stand for, for material that's, uh, what I'd say, crisp, 
really, mm-hmm. really fine original condition, strong emphasis on original paint, mm-hmm. no re- restoration or minimal restoration, if any. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and that's proven well, uh, proven to yeah. work well for us. I think those are great guidelines. Uh, besides, uh, we, you mentioned earlier people searching and finding on Google. How else do you uh, reach out to potential buyers? What I want to do is I just want to broaden this conversation a bit because we've been talking only decoys, and I, I think yeah. there's something else I need to bring into this. Uh, we specialize in, in antique uh, quality decoys in original paint and also American folk art, of which decoys, by the way, is an aspect, Right. Mm-hmm. and then high country American furniture and related accessories. So what's the commonality in all those things? I would say painted surfaces for one, mm-hmm. and we like objects that sort of transcend their functionality and speak to you beyond that. So what do I mean? Well, we, we're probably not the guys that are going to carry a brown painted blanket chest, but we might be the guys that carry a, a, a blanket chest in uh, red and black swirled paint that's uh, vibrant that just kind of you know, pops. Mm-hmm. And you use that as a coffee table in front of your couch. and people go, wow, that's neat. And I don't care if you have an antique house or a contemporary house. I don't care whether the furniture or the stuff furniture that's sitting around it was bought at Ikea. There are decorative objects that just sort of speak to you, and that's kind of where we are. So having done decoys for exclusively for about 10 years, maybe uh, maybe 15 years, and in fact having written several books on decoys and so on and so forth, in 1987-8, we decided to commit to the antique business full-time, and we're concerned that the decoy business by itself was too small to warrant uh, supporting yourself in the fashion in which you were used to. And uh, so we added American folk art and uh, American high, high country furniture and accessories, and that's worked very well. So there's a whole range of material that we sell, all with a commonality. They all seem to fit well. They go to yes. different customers quite often, but oh. there's a nice overlap also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We advertise consistently in specialty publications. There are two major decoy publications that are four-color magazines. They come out bi-monthly. Mm-hmm. We have the back cover or a major ad in every issue. So we our presence is well-known there. In the antique world, we advertise occasionally in four-color publications like uh, Antiques and Fine Arts, Mm-hmm. We advertise before shows in publications like Antiques and, Fi- uh, Antiques and Arts Weekly or the Newtown Bee or Main Antique Digest, etc. Uh, so that's one aspect. We do, we've still committed to advertising, although we do not advertise as much in print media as we did before the advent of websites and the Internet. Mm-hmm. We also have a mailing list, an emailing list, if you will, of about 4,000 people that we send mail to before any show that we're doing, as well as when we acquire uh, new material uh, of some note, and if we have any sales, and we do offer two sales a year, and that's been extremely popular also. Since you've been selling on the internet, what changes have you found? Do you have global customers now? You know, we do, certainly. Not to the degree that even I expected. I think the main reason is that we specialize in, in objects that are American. uniquely American, mm-hmm. North American, uh, United States and Canada. Mm-hmm. So we have a good Canada, Canadian base, yes. 
But the only way that a European or an Asian is going to be interested in the kinds of things we carry is either by just just because they acquired an interest by reading or whatever, or perhaps they went to school and obtained an MBA at Harvard or, you know, whatever it is that that kind of uh, gave them a taste of the kind of things we have here. It would be not unlike, uh, I, I suspect the analogy would be how many Americans or, or North Americans are collecting uh, Asian material or Swedish folk art or mm-hmm. whatever, you'd have to have some basis for having acquired that interest. Because uh, I, I doubt you'd make it on your own. Right. So, so yes, we. I have. I have sold material in Japan. I have sold material throughout Europe. Uh, I look at our our Google hits every morning, and when I care to look at a map, I'm always uh, surprised to see there's always a, somebody from. Russia and there's somebody from the from Southeast Asia and so on and so forth, but most of our business is the United States and and, and Canada. Mm-hmm. Let's see, so you you started out on the internet. You said 13 years ago, which is yes, our first website, I believe, was 13 years ago. Yeah, yeah, and it's evolved from a. Uh, Pretty simple, you know. What I'd say is a pretty basic website with a few items that illustrated the kinds of things we carried, and maybe a show schedule and whatever. And and we have built that over time. I mentioned earlier the site is secure, meaning it has a shopping cart, and you can put a credit card in there and feel confident about it. Uh, we accept any credit card or PayPal. Uh, this the site is fully illustrated now. There are, as I say, up to four photos per item. Uh, it's extensive. It's it's nicely organized, by the way. At least I, that's the feedback we get. And when you're selling two different subjects, decoys, as well as folk art and antiques, uh, it, that takes a little bit of ingenuity, but it seems to work well. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing we've done is we've made the site, site into a resource, like a destination site for collectors who want to learn, and we think that's very important mm-hmm. to try to attract more people into our our collecting hobby or business. Absolutely. So there's a lot of, of uh, literature that's reprinted on the site, including a, a number of original pieces. There's a uh, an illustrated summary of the last book I wrote, which is on Mason decoys. Mm. We sell reference books uh, that are out of print. There's a whole section of some, I don't know, 35 or 40 reference books. Wow, that's great. Uh, we should, there, there are. Uh, there's commentary by uh, uh, people that have written articles on interesting subjects that are related to folk art or decoys. Um, we sell supplies. We we, uh, uh, we we sell decoy stands, shorebird stands, and, and things of that nature. We try to make the site into a, uh, a useful destination for anybody that's got interest in the topic. Uh huh. Do you ever have dealers, not collectors, that buy from you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And is that mostly at shows, or do they ever buy off no, of you? It, no, it, it's both. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, I would say that you know, there's some dealers, as you know, that, that are uh, what you call dealer dealer dealers, who uh, uh, they're either pickers or their original source of material. Mm-hmm. We would be a little less of that. I think we are therefore our our business is probably a little bit more retail than than many, and that's probably a reflection of uh, my background in consumer marketing. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with it, whereas some dealers would prefer strictly to deal with dealers, right? Uh, but you know, there's there's by by all means both because we carry uh, an extensive inventory and I'm willing to work with dealers. And there are times that dealers are looking for things that, that we may well have that they match up with their customers. Mm-hmm. Since decoys are such a focused 
uh, segment of collecting. What have you seen that has changed since the Internet has come around in that collecting hobby? Uh, customers are more knowledgeable of what things are, I don't know about worth, but what things generally sell for. Mm-hmm. The internet's. I think the internet's an enabling device in the sense that if you believe that knowledge is power, people certainly are able to obtain much more knowledge than they had before. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's certainly a change. Uh, most people with websites do list prices. They may not. They may not have shopping carts and accept credit cards, you know, online without a phone call. But but prices are generally listed. Um, there's mm-hmm. been a, a huge escalation in the value of. Uh, decoys and folk art, in fact, and I think that's somewhat related to the Internet in the sense that more people are involved. Mm -hmm. market has grown, so that means more competition. Right. Uh, Auction houses are certainly using the Internet to broaden their their customer base by having online bidding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those those are the things that come to mind. Yeah. Uh, Russ, what do you you think um, the future is? on selling on the internet. Do you think it's going to just continue to get more and more uh, technologically inducive to selling and buying? I do. I absolutely do. Uh, but I also want to add that I think the internet is just one tool, if you will. I don't I don't see us I don't see most of us becoming exclusively internet based. I mean I suppose you could. Uh, we have cut back on the number of shows that we used to do. We used to do Oh, one every two weeks. So we were doing 25 shows a year. We're now doing five this calendar year. Hmm. Uh, and four of those are decoys, by the way. The only antique show we're committed to at the moment is the New Hampshire Antique Show in uh, oh, yeah. August in Manchester, New Hampshire. That's a real good one. Uh, and the Internet has replaced a great deal of, of that. But I still think there's nothing like hands-on. And there's nothing like meeting people. And we mm-hmm. get a tremendous number of people at shows who say, oh, I see your website all the time. It's nice to meet you. Mm. We feel the same. Mm-hmm. And I think that just helps to build a relationship. People feel tr- uh, some trust because they've seen uh, your representation via an extensive website. And so there's some familiarity with you to begin with. And I've had people come to shows, in fact, who say, oh, I recognize that and that and that from, from your website. But either I have never seen that before or did you bring blank? And I, we say to people, and we do this in all of our mailings, if there's something on our website you'd like to see in a show, tell us and we'll try to bring it. Hmm. Uh, because we don't bring everything on the website, of course. Mm-hmm. So I see it as a synergy. I see it's, uh, it, it works uh, in combination with other things. And I do think it will continue to grow. And I do think that people, if you take a look at, take a look at the growth of Amazon, right. where it has become truth, truly the shopping center of the Internet, and there are people, I'm sure, like me, where if I run out of razor blades, I tend to look at Amazon, and if I think the price is reasonable, I just buy it. It's free shipping. It comes to me, and it's simple, and I don't have to run out to the drugstore and buy it, and so on and so forth. And I think that as that grows in familiarity, you will see more and more people that are willing to make purchase decisions on the Internet, particularly when they gain comfort with you and say, yeah, he's a straight shooter, and they will back whatever they've sold me. and. And if there's a problem or an error, we take it back, and I do it all the time. And, and I'm pretty uh, careful in my descriptions because I don't want things to come back, and sure. or very few things do. We have an instant gratification society, and I think my own opinion is that somehow in the Internet, through the years, you'll see that things will be more instantaneous as far as people receiving their items. I, I think 
that has to be true. And as you think of younger people that are growing up and they've been grown up completely with smartphones and mm-hmm. uh, you know gaming devices and the computers and so on and so forth, I can't imagine that they will not use the internet as their shopping vehicle. And when that begins to translate to decorative objects and or decoys and or folk art or whatever, uh, I think that will become the logical place to turn. And that's why we've tried to build a site in which people feel comfortable and say, wow, there must be something about these people because they do seem to know what they're talking about. Hmm. Uh, I mentioned earlier that we, as we were dealing with uh, oh, email, I guess we were talking about uh, you know, occasions to email. Uh, we've been running uh, an occasion infrequent sale twice a year. And uh, we just completed our, our year-end sale uh, and it's interesting because I think it gives a commentary on the business. Uh, the sale ran from uh, December 15th through January 8th, just ended a couple weeks ago, and uh, was overwhelmingly successful. Uh, we advertised it in uh, decoy publications and Main Antique Digest before the sale, and we put out several mailings right before and then during the course of the sale to our 4,000 people that have shown some interest in, in our subject and uh, ended up selling over 50 items, which I think is impressive. Mm -hmm. And it demonstrates at a time when many people are wringing their hands, wondering wondering what the economy is going to do to our business, and so on and so forth, that people retain an interest in buying this type of product, given the financial incentives to do so. And so uh, coming from a Procter & Gamble environment where one never offered a sale and certainly never even showed, showed prices of things that were for sale. I remember being uh, lectured that, that we sell on quality, we don't sell on price. But I think in today's environment where you pick up any, uh, you watch television or pick up any printed medium and see constant sales by uh, the most prestigious of uh, uh, companies or product lines, uh, it is not inappropriate. I think there is a place to do it in and out quickly in, in short fashion and uh, cause people to make this purchase decisions. And 50 objects sold in three weeks, I think, is pretty impressive. Right, right. I was going to talk to you a little bit about the economy and ask you, and ask you how it affected your business. Um, and But it seems to me that when you're dealing in fine things such as you do, that you're slightly insulated compared to other parts of the market. I would agree with that, although the economy has certainly had an effect upon our business over the last couple of years, and I fully believe it will continue to for some time. I think it's going to take a long time to pull out of this thing. Mm-hmm. If, if you, uh, It's not that our customers are out of work, because I think they tend not to be. And yes, we have 9% plus unemployment, uh, but that means that there are 90% plus that are working. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that unfortunately the people that have gotten hit the hardest are probably uh, people that have uh, less skillful jobs and I think therefore probably are making a little less money and they are probably a little less likely to be buying expensive decoys and folk art. Uh, So yes, we've been a little bit protected, but I think so much of our purchase decisions are attitudinal. And if you read constantly doom and gloom, I think you will therefore say, boy, maybe I shouldn't be spending this two or $5,000, uh, you know, or mm-hmm. maybe I ought to be hanging on to what money I have. And so it has had a bearing. 
as consumer spending upticks, and we're beginning to see that with data that just got released yesterday, I guess. Uh, I, I think by all means the market will recover. I've seen signs of that. Our website hits are going up. Mm -hmm. uh, we're selling more Mason books. I mentioned we wrote, I've written a couple books on the subject. I'm seeing an uptick in the number of books we're selling, showing that the new collectors are, that's it, normally that's a good way for people to begin collecting is to buy a book. Uh, and I, So I'm encouraged by that and of course by the sale. So I think you're going to see a turnaround. I just never think it's going to be long and, and slow. And I think we're in the middle of the uptick and hopefully that will continue. Yes, yes. Now Russ, what is the, what is your website address? It is www.rj Antiques. So it's like Russ J. Goldberger, antiques.com. And your wife, been married to for many, many years, very sweet lady. She is a, very much a partner in your business. Karen is the, uh, makes, makes all this possible. She runs the superstructure that enables me to talk to you. So, <laughs> and, and she is also extremely good with customers, and she has a great decorative eye. So she's helped an awful lot of people figure out what to do with something. Yeah. And so uh, she's not here with me at the moment, but she's very much involved in the business and uh, couldn't do it without her. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Russ, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. Enjoyed it. Hopefully this is helpful to somebody and uh, happy to cooperate. Yes, and you'll see up on our podcast, I'll have the link to Russ's website. Thank you very much, Russ. This is Martin Willis with Russ Goldberger, and we're signing off.